0: Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Scotiabank Women Applications are now open for the Canadian Export Challenge. CXC 2020, presented in partnership with UPS, the Trade Commissioner Service, and Export Development Canada, along with Mastercard and Scotiabank, and powered by Google Canada, is the first nationwide fully digital pitch competition for Canadian exporters. This year, the Canadian Export Challenge will be accepting all first-round pitches through online video submissions. Don't miss your chance to pitch for up to $25,000 cash and up to $100,000 in support. What are you waiting for? Submit your pitch video now. The free events are open to attend for all Canadian entrepreneurs and anyone interested in learning more about the Canadian export ecosystem. Register at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC. listening to the Thrive podcast on the Startup Canada podcast network where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Mary Doyle on our show today. Mary describes herself as a crystal ball engineer, equal parts futurist and problem solver. She is a writer, speaker, program developer and consultant with over 28 years of experience working in all three sectors. She's been recognized in all areas of her professional development, being named business person of the year, a Canadian women entrepreneur icon, and receiving a top teaching award to the most outstanding qualities of scholarship, teaching, ability, and character. While entrepreneurship is at the heart of all of her work, she sees it as a way of thinking and acting to bring about change in any area. She is fearlessly optimistic and challenges people to have faith in the future as they work to make a difference. Today, she is the founder of Rural On Purpose, a social purpose business with a global mission to change the course of rural communities and introduce a new era of rural leadership, confidence, and prosperity. Welcome to the show, Mary.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. I love that she's fearlessly optimistic and challenges people to have faith in the future as they work to make a difference. That that resonates with me um, wholeheartedly. I love that introduction.
1: Well, I'm I'm sure it's it's got to be part of uh, part of the whole ethos of Startup Canada, anyway. So
0: mm-hmm. there we go. So before diving into to a number of questions we have for you today, Mary, what's the one thing that you want our audience to take out of our conversation? I
1: think probably it would be that resilience is the key to our future. Mm. Mm -hmm. Practice fearless optimism as much as you can and just keep moving if you find yourself stuck. Because Mm. an object in motion stays in motion. And, you know, I find that it works the same way with entrepreneurs.
0: Mm. And so fearless optimism. Can you explain that a little bit more to me?
1: I think that. It's something that comes natural to entrepreneurs because we don't see problems. we see opportunities and we see things in a very optimistic, positive way, even in, in times when um, when most people are afraid of what's ha- what's in front of them, we usually tackle that head-on and we see it as, as an opportunity to do make something better. So fearless optimism is, is at the core of what entrepreneurs are.
0: Mm, I love that. And, and in the face of a global pandemic, even, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's many opportunities there. Um, so tell us about Rural On Purpose. Um, why did you build this organization, the social purpose organization? Um, and, and what does it intend to serve?
1: I started Rural On Purpose about almost three years ago now, I guess. And um, it was a way to share my thoughts about rural development and entrepreneurship. And it kind of it grew from the blog into a program development business, where we would pilot new initiatives in rural communities. And I'm a, I'm a program developer as well as a, a teacher. So um, we built programs around rural co-working and, and trying to find options for small communities that um, that they, they couldn't find solutions to previously. And it was really exciting. And then it just kind of grew into this really wonderful community of people from around the world that we're attracted to that whole message, rural on um, living on rural on purpose, and now rural on purpose is really a, a community of people working together to create dynamic okay. rural regions. And I run the mm. community, and I also do some um, independent consulting work as well. Um, and uh, while most people start with a logo when they when they create a business, I'm from Generation X, so I had to start with a manifesto. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <love> so,
0: <laughs> but our our
1: manifesto really tells you exactly who we are um would, would you, mm. you like me to read it yes please okay we are fearlessly optimistic people living in rural communities we believe that entrepreneurship is a vehicle for change and a mindset of growth we don't fear the future we have faith in it constraints are simply catalysts for innovation Today we have the opportunity to transform, augment, innovate and connect like never before in history. We are changing the course of our rural communities with our own wit, wisdom and ingenuity. We are living rural on purpose.
0: Hmm. Oh, I love that. Hmm. What a manifesto.
1: Well, generation X, we <laughs> we like to be we like to do things big. <laughs>
0: So on that note, and after listening to that fantastic manifesto, what do you see as the real importance of creating entrepreneurial rural communities and dynamic rural communities?
1: Um, I think that like successful entrepreneurs, successful communities also take smart risks. Mm. Um, rural communities need to become good, not not good, not not even great, but prolific opportunity identifiers. And then have the confidence to act on those opportunities as well as the courage to let go of bad ideas when, when you, you have them. And I think entrepreneurial thinking and ambition, just like in the manifesto, they're essential characteristics for strong rural growth as well as entrepreneurial growth. Um, and the reality is that without new opportunities, our rural communities are, are going to continue to struggle. And standing still really isn't an option for any of us. So small improvements aren't going to save us either. It's entrepreneurial thinking that's going to allow us to innovate and entrepreneurial ambition that's going to allow us to start things.
0: Yeah, and especially at this time now, um, you know, we're seeing the entrepreneurship community really rally and shift um, both their existing businesses, but also identify these incredible new opportunities that support the future of work, um, that are going to support our economy, that are supporting marginalized groups. Um, you know, we're really seeing entrepreneurs at the forefront of that conversation. Yeah, they
1: they really are, and and I think that it's it's really exciting to see that happen because a lot of people who are kind of not at the front. At the, at the forefront um, are now all of a sudden being spotlighted as as heroes because they're coming up with really unique, innovative solutions. And I think that rural, any community can can react the same way that an entrepreneur does. And I, I know we've got a whole new way of measuring that too because we, we've we all heard of IQ, which is the, the ability to measure um, le- how we learn and understand things. But we now have something called AQ, which is adversity quotient, and that's a measure of your ability to adapt to change. So I, I think that you know, ne- with with that new measurement and that focus on on adversity and being able to adapt and being able to pivot, all of that is very very similar to what an entrepreneur does. And so thinking entrepreneurially in rural communities is going to be a really big key to our future.
0: Mm, I agree. And, and you know, we see very active and vocal voices coming from the urban centers, um, you know, that there are tremendous resources and spaces for entrepreneurs to come together either digitally or physically in these these larger city centers. Um, you know, I think from Startup Canada's perspective, we try to really connect with those rural communities and inspire and, um, you know, provide places where they can connect in those rural, rural locations. What is your positioning on sort of the future of rural entrepreneurship? I know you've mentioned, you know, the future is rural. Um, how do you see that changing um, over, you know, time with COVID-19, but also just as, as, our, uh, as our future of work continues to expand um, into rural communities?
1: Thank you for that question. Um, I, I think that we're entering a new phase in human development with, with everything that's happened so far during our, our pan- this whole pandemic. I believe that rural communities have a really critical role to play and that if we're paying close attention, we're gonna see those openings. There are opportunities um, and solutions to human problems that functioning rural communities can provide. And you know, two big areas that we've been talking a lot about lately are remote work and wellness. Because um, space now means something more than square feet. And that, that, that was a, that's a mm. quote from the CEO of, of the Harris Poll, Um, And this is a really interesting stat because 39% of urban dwellers in the U.S. said that the COVID-19 crisis has prompted them to consider leaving for a less crowded space. And that was a poll that was taken um, April 25th. Wow. Yeah. So I think that yesterday, rural communities, we valued and marketed ourselves based on our proximity to urban centers. And I think that there's an opportunity tomorrow for cities to be valued based on their proximity to nature and functioning, healthy rural regions. And I think that there's going to be this is a pivotal moment, I think, in time for rural communities.
0: Mm, I completely agree. Yeah, in the future of of exactly within that remote working space, there are clearly opportunities. Now that we realize that in many traditional operating environments, we don't necessarily have to go into the office. Um, but on the wellness side, um, are you so you're you're sort of connecting that to being around nature and and the positive benefits of being sort of within larger spaces? Is that the wellness component there? Yeah.
1: Well, there. If you if you do so um, a quick Google search, you'll find that there are all kinds of studies many many studies that predate the the beginning of this pandemic that were looking at nature and, and correlating it with wellness human wellness mm. and there are lots of them it's like spending 20 minutes out in in nature around green and in the sunlight and outside can actually create all kinds of physical benefits for you and psychological benefits. I think that there there's a an opportunity for rural communities to really look at that in terms of the whole wellness industry, whether it's workplace wellness or whether it's, you know, dealing with 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 grief and trauma or dealing with addictions mm-hmm. and I think there it's an industry that is just perfectly set up for rural development and 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 becoming a leader in it as as a rural as rural communities,
0: and so as as an entrepreneur, uh, if I'm looking to you know potentially develop my business, but living in a rural community, um, do you think that there are challenges um, that uh, are solved by by being in rural communities as opposed to being in these more urban centers? What opportunities did entrepreneurs specifically have by shifting from urban to rural?
1: They have well, you have all of the the obvious ones where the the cost of living is much lower, and and you can you can buy a, if you're going to be working remotely you're going to be working in in your home and right now you have a lot of people who are in really tiny tight little spaces in in urban centers and and they're really feeling that so you know being able to to move to a a, a larger space um, for a for a less lesser cost <laughs> and it, that's that benefit alone is is one of yeah. the the reasons that you might consider moving to a rural community but there's a tight-knit community tight-knit community of people and supports and you you know there is there is a stat that's pretty consistent that um startups um in rural communities are far more resilient than than urban startups they actually last past that five-year mark um more more than urban startups and there's a reason for that i think that that part of that is because there is there is a Really close support network, because it is a rooted business in the community. You know be, there's a rootedness that that is associated with being in a rural community when you are an entrepreneur. and um and I, I think that that's got to be part of that that secret formula for for success.
0: Mm, I love that, and and I think looking at that rootedness and that that community and connectivity, you might have more people surround you in an urban center, so you have that quantity, but the quality might not be there of the making the real, right relationships or having, um, you know, the right support mechanisms in place that you could get in a more rural environment where community is is so essential.
1: Yeah, and if you even t- take a look at what's happening now with that whole um, that whole buy local um mm. promotion that's happening everywhere rural communities have stepped right up and they are protecting the businesses that they have in in their communities and fiercely fiercely protecting them they're they're being creative with marketing in a way that they they had never been in the past and they are coming up with new strategies and new ways to promote local local buying. And if you're, if you move into a rural community, and you start a business in a small town, that is fiercely fighting to keep you open, then you've got a tribe, you've got it mm. instantly, you've got you've got a group of people who don't know you pers- personally, but they're rooting for you. And they're doing what they can to make sure that you are going to be here tomorrow. And how do you how do you not want to be part of that?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm sold. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great to me. So when you when you look at the rural kind of urban divide and the conversation that might come up for entrepreneurs, um, how do you address the those challenges or or sort of preparing entrepreneurs if they're you know considering the urban versus rural benefits? What other considerations should entrepreneurs be making if they're looking to make that that switch?
1: Okay, so um, where rural digital infrastructure mm-hmm. is is so poor that everything from public education to online healthcare um, to work at home options just don't exist for many people that's a, that's a really big issue and that's something that that I think is is not is not a localized issue it's a it's a national issue. It's a Canadian issue, mm-hmm. and every time we, and this, I guess, it's a sticking point for me because we keep talking about it being a rural issue and a rural struggle. Struggle. It should be a Canadian issue and a Canadian struggle because mm-hmm. this is. We're talking about a huge portion of of our population that are struggling just to have access to education now and healthcare, and 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 be able to do their work so i, I you know i'm i'm really hoping that we're we're going to fix that and i know that it's not oh. an easy so there's no easy solution to this but you know there, in the, the 1800s, there wasn't an easy solution to creating a railroad that was transcontinental either. And that, that connected us as Canadians. This is our railroad. This, is our, our, this has to do with our national identity and our connectivity and how we, how we relate to each other and, and, and how we don't leave anyone behind. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a, it's, I'm pretty passionate about that because it's a showstopper for communities that want to grow.
0: Mm, completely. Yeah. No. This this is our railroad. This is our national identity at stake. And and Canadians, um, you know, I think uniquely really pride themselves on being this collective and this this great nation. Um, but this is a, a massive missing piece. And even sort of the perception um, of rural. And and I love that you're that the organization is called rural on purpose. That you know just because you're going rural doesn't mean that you know um, you're you're not choosing the the competition of being an entrepreneur in in downtown Toronto or you're any less valuable as non entrepreneur, um, you're rural on purpose for all these opportunities and these points of connection that can be received in a a rural space.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm, I love that. So with um, women entrepreneurs, so as a women entrepreneur yourself, do you have any feedback or advice um, for women entrepreneurs that might be looking to build a rural business?
1: There was a time uh, a year ago, actually, when during a presentation, I would ask people to use their phone and do a Google image search for the term CEO. Mm. And the, fir- <laughs> the first and only female on the, f- the first page was CEO Barbie.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, that crushes me. And, but <laughs> that crushes I me. know,
1: but that's changed in a year. Mm. And mm. women are creating the space and room for other women to succeed and grow in their careers without barriers and bias. We're doing that. And we're not waiting for anyone else to do it for us. Women entrepreneurs are creating unbiased, fair workspaces. And we need to keep doing that because it's working. Because you can do that same search today. It doesn't work in my presentations. I have to come up with something else because, <laughs> because we're, we're actually making some headway there. But I think that in terms of advice, we also need to focus on our own ability and potential. We need to acknowledge that bias exists. But conduct ourselves as if it doesn't.
0: Mm. I love that. Yeah. Acknowledge that is that is exists, but operate that in a way that you're not getting in your own way um, of of having that in the back of your mind or constantly being, uh, you know, feeling like you might not belong in the conversations or in the rooms. That self doubt can creep up and and have really harmful effects. You've
1: got it. You've got it. Mm-hmm. And if we focus on our own ability and potential, and we keep supporting other women and Keep creating opportunities without bias and without barriers. Then we're we are going to continue to to create these fair workspaces.
0: Mm, I like that. So, in terms of support for for rural women entrepreneurs um, at this time, sort of during COVID nineteen and and beyond, um, what would you recommend in terms of of support organizations or looking to community and and connecting with other women entrepreneurs within their communities? What do you think is is the first step to to reach out for that type of support?
1: I think that most, and and I could be wrong right now, but I think that most um, women entrepreneurs find other women entrepreneurs naturally, because I think we're really good at connecting. And I think that, you know, I would, if you, if you aren't part of a network or an organization that's supporting your work, then I would just start Googling, you know, women business with network or organizations near me Mm. and start there. But I think that that's a way to explore your your local rural networks but I think that we we you know also need to continue to take that that connection beyond our local networks and we need to look um, at some of the larger ones and some of the smaller ones that have grown into into outreach kind of organizations I'm actually um, going to be part of a, a conference. Um, an online conference with a, an organization called the rural woman.com. And mm-hmm. they're based out of Australia and, mm-hmm. and their whole, wow. their whole focus is on rural women entrepreneurs and they're expanding internationally. So you know, I have, I've got so much support. I have a network now. There, I have I have mentors. I have people that I connect with every two weeks just to have a conversation about how we're doing and and talk about this this things that we're doing differently as well as the things that we're we're doing in a similar fashion. Um, and it's really inspirational. It's a really great resource and. I, there are so many of them out there. I, I would really consider connecting with groups to expand your business reach and your understanding um, of what it means to be a rural woman entrepreneur.
0: So during uh, you know this this global pandemic, obviously entrepreneurs are, are facing um, unprecedented challenges, and, and we're seeing great demonstrations of resilience and um, you know businesses shifting um, and shifting very quickly. Uh, what would you suggest specifically for rural women entrepreneurs um, to do to maximize really their chances of coming out of COVID nineteen strong? What they what can they be doing to sustain their businesses during these challenging times?
1: I think that I would have to say focus on relationships first. I It's one of those things that, that women entrepreneurs are really, really strong at relationship building. And I think we, we need to take a look at those strengths. And we've heard that, you know, you've heard your network is your net worth. I think that's only part of it. I think that mm-hmm. once we, we start focusing in on our relationships and our networks, we have to take it that next step further and be of service to our colleagues. And I know it sounds counterintuitive when you're you're struggling to survive yourself that you know I'm suggesting that you go and do something to help somebody else, but that's that's what women entrepreneurs do best and it always comes back tenfold to help them. So I would say focus on your networks Deepen your existing connections and then seek out new networks and thought leaders to connect with and be of service to your colleagues because it will will grow a resilient, help you grow a resilient business. Mm,
0: that's great advice. And so looking over the next couple of months for you, where are you going to be investing your energy?
1: I'm actually doing the exact same thing. I'm uh, I'm working on on deepening my connection with my rural on purpose community and growing that community and trying to find ways that I can be of, continue to be of service because I've been doing an awful lot of um, uh, work at the request of, of connections to um, talk about COVID related issues and entrepreneurship and uh, I I'm. I'm loving it. I I love being a a support and and helping out as much as I can. And it really is deepening the connections with my own community and my own business. So um, it's a win win for everybody.
0: Fantastic. That's great to hear. Um, and, and a wonderful sort of positive story coming out of COVID-19. I think we're seeing great demonstrations of people really coming together and that, that circular um, movement that, you know, I might be giving back to you, but tomorrow someone could be giving back to me. And that sort of this, um, this pattern of, of support, um, exactly as you say, has this amplifying effect and is going to come back tenfold. So I think that that attitude is, is innate to many women entrepreneurs. Um, and it's really beautiful to see that during times of crisis.
1: I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I it's exciting watching it happen.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you can think of one last, um, uh, kind of best piece of advice that you want our listeners to take out of our conversation today, um, uh, that they could implement into their businesses, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Mm, I think, um, if you take an inventory of what makes you resilient and work on building building your own aq your own adversity Mm -hmm. quotient you're going to need this um, in this economic environment and it's going to strengthen your relationships it's going you're going to you're going to build partnerships identify new opportunities pilot new initiatives i think adaptability and resilience are going to keep you going so i i I think if you work on that that that's going to that's, that's going to be the best thing that you could do. I I have one, actually have one more story. I didn't, I wasn't planning on telling this, but I think that trying to, trying to find a really good fit is, is critical as well. And, and we don't pay enough attention to what's a fit for us and for our business when we're doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that I, I, a question that I ask when I'm giving a presentation, um, I will ask people to put their hands up if they know their shoe size. And people kind of look, look kind of <laughs> at me funny and they put their hands up. They all, everyone, their smart audience, they know their shoe size. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I ask them to leave their hand in the air if they've ever purchased a pair of shoes or boots that were a half size too small. And most people put their hands down. But a few honest people will leave their hands up. I have to leave mine up.
0: I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty
1: too. And so I asked them, I said, why Why did you do it? And they said, well, some will say because they were cute. Some will say because they were on sale. And mm-hmm. some people will say because they thought they would stretch.
0: Hmm.
1: And I, when I'm talking about rural community development, a lot of times we do that. We will, we will, we will try and do something that we know is not a fit. It, we know our shoe size. We know it doesn't fit with our community or our plans or anything. But for all of these other reasons, we will, we will trick ourselves into thinking, oh, it's we're going to do this. But if you know your shoe size and you know that that shoe is going to stay in your closet because you're never going to wear it or you're going to be really uncomfortable wearing it. <laughs> Then, um, then pay attention to that. Pay, pay really close attention to fit in your business.
0: And that's a personal message as well that, you know, pay attention to fit in and making decisions based on what you know to be true and what you know uh, to be a passion of yours and, and staying, um, you know, fearlessly optimistic in, in many ways, but making sure that um, you're moving forward with the passion for your business um, in an honest and authentic way and not trying to do something because you think others will be more approving of it or that it'll fit some other market need that, that actually um, doesn't matter to you as much. I think that's a great message um, across the board about how we live our lives.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's really important for women, especially because, Mm -hmm. you know, we will try and stretch things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that if we can get better at knowing ourselves and knowing what we're, what we're trying to keeping a really clear focus on what we're trying to do and trusting our gut instincts, Mm -hmm. just trust them. We don't, sometimes we don't trust them and we trust what somebody else tells us. And, Mm -hmm. and I think, if the more we can trust our own gut instincts know what our shoe size is then then it will guide us in the right direction you know ultimately
0: yeah it's not going to point you in the wrong wrong way forward i love that so the key takeaway know your shoe size self-awareness <laughs> and act accordingly oh wonderful thank you so much barry for joining us on the thrive podcast today
1: it's been a lot of fun thank you so much
0: Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.